What is truth? Truth is reality. It can be confirmed by evidence. It is verifiable. And we seek to find it. Welcome to Euphonaut Radio. Euphonaut Radio is a show that takes you on a truth journey outside the matrix to examine the worlds of ufology, the paranormal, and new science. Open your mind as we search for the truth that most are afraid to discuss. This is Euphonaut Radio with Jesse Randolph and Christopher J. Brown, only on PSN Radio. Euphonaut Radio, welcome everyone. Monday night, a power-packed PSN radio network evening, and we didn't have our uh, future theater tonight. I guess I found out late in the game they're on hiatus, so if they're down in uh, Mexico, um, the uh, godfather and godmother of ufology, the Burns, we wish them well. For everybody else listening, we are live as Buffer would say in the Ultimate Fighting Championship. We are live here from Portland, Oregon, and of course Jesse Randolph on the mic, your humble host, and Chris, the Honorable Chris J. Brown, hopefully dialing in soon. He's having some technical issues, or maybe some saboteur issues. You never know on this level. And of course, let's not forget the Angel of Ufology. Mr. Angel Espino, welcome to Euphonaut Radio. Angel, are you with us? I am with you, my friend, loud and clear. How are, how are you? Even though I know how you're doing, because we were talking for like fucking thirty minutes before the show. Isn't that like the most awkward part of every show? Because like usually the host and his co-host are talking for like an hour or two hours before. Sometimes you know maybe twenty minutes, but then when they get on the air, they have to like kind of like give pleasantries all over again. Like, how are you? How you been? How's it going? Right. Right. I'm good, I'm and you? <laughs> I'm great. I, I, I said from the start, I'm not going to do that with this show. I'm going to give it to the audience straight <laughs> up. No chaser, baby. And tonight is no. What a perfect example of a giving it to you straight. We've got a guest tonight, Angel, that you set up through your connections, because we know that you pretty much know everyone in the town. Of ufology, ufology. Pretty much at this 10. point, yep. Yep, yep. It, it, yeah, the, all 16. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, we got a guy tonight, and I tell you, I was a little bummed out because I think this person was supposed to be on a couple of weeks ago, and I told a bunch of people about it, and I said, oh, this time traveler guy is going to be on, and I don't know that much about him. I looked him up. It looked pretty cool, and I love time travel, so it's one of my favorite favorite topics and one of my fantasies to uh, i think most people right that you could travel in time uh to do all sorts of cool stuff i mean uh, angel what would you do if you could travel back in time oh man uh let's see i travel back in time when uh my parents are about to conceive me and tell them don't do it just hey, don't do it any better oh the honor oh 
Instead of, coming in, instead of coming in nice and smooth, he's like, any better? Can you hear me now? <laughs> there, he is. there he is. The Honorable Chris okay. J. Brown. Chris, how are you? Well, good. Okay. Oh, boy. So I'm good. I think he said he was good. Yes, he said something. Just, just, uh, just sit there and maybe the uh, bandwidth will come from above. Or... Maybe there's something going on above your house, so you might want to take a look outside in the backyard there, pal. Um, anyway, let's get back to uh, what you would do if you could time travel back besides telling your parents not to conceive you. I mean, really, I know where your head is right now. Um, but, come on, I mean, there's got to be something that you would do that would be cool. Well, I mean, the, the, there's some obvious stuff, like I would probably, like, save President Kennedy, maybe, I don't know, uh... Uh, save Tupac from dying, you know. I don't know. Save t- really? You would save Tupac? See, I would of make course. sure that he died. Why? <laughs> Why you gotta be a hater like that? <laughs> hater. Think of think of how cool know, history would be if would Tupac would not have died. Look, I don't know if you I don't know if you were aware of this, but he was up for the role of Mace Windu in Star Wars: The Prequels, and he was actually the they wrote the part for him. George Lucas wrote that that role for him. Ended up going to Samuel Jackson because Tupac passed away. But literally the week before he died, he was going to go meet with the casting people and the wardrobe department, and he was actually going to be in Star Wars. So think about how cool that would be. My favorite rapper in my favorite movie series. That would have been just epic. Would've oh loved my that. god! Wow, that would have been horrible. And you know would've what would have been? It would have been, been even more horrible. Is having Samuel L. Jackson on, and uh, they did. So that's why it was terrible. Hey, Samuel Jackson's the man, dude. Oh, you know, I think if I could go back in time, I would make sure that he's not around either. He's You know, it's funny. I can't stand the guy. When I see him, and he goes, Are you serious? What? That sounds nothing like him at all. That sounded exactly like him. No, nah, nothing at all. He's one of the best actors in like the last fifty years. I'm just man. saying, awesome. how many people Great do you actor. ask? Hey, if you could travel back in time, I will give you O for originality points. But I mean, really, saving Tupac. What about yes. saving somebody that's a little bit better of a person on, the, like a hero, an American hero, or he uh, is JFK a hero of mine. Or, no, not JFK. What did JFK Junior ever do? Like, well, he ran a magazine. Big freaking <laughs> whoop. Tupac was the voice of his generation, man. All right. Well, yeah, maybe maybe you could have. Uh, who else? Do- oh, Randy Rhodes. That would have been a good one. Randy what about Rhodes. Randy Rhodes? Remember him? The hell's Randy Rhodes? Oh boy. Oh boy. Who's I need Randy help Rhodes? from the studio audience on that one. So, anyways, time. <laughs> no, seriously. Who the hell's Randy Rhodes? I have no idea. Like, Randy Rhodes was the uh, the guitarist for Ozzy Osbourne that really. Changed everything uh, for Oz after Black Sabbath. Okay, see, and yeah, that, that really Randy does not. Randy was in a band. Hold on, let me finish. <laughs> Randy was in a band called Quiet Riot, which a lot of people have heard of, and uh, he was uh, replaced after he he joined Ozzy's band. He took the gig because obviously it was a great gig, and then Quiet Riot really hit too, which was good. But uh, Randy, unfortunately, one night. And this was a young kid, too, good-looking kid, and he finally got a shot, and they're touring the world, and they're kicking ass. And uh, somebody invited Randy uh, to go up in a plane um, in a little tiny Cessna uh, during one of the tours. 
and he took a little ride with the guy, and they actually crashed into the tour bus. And that's Pretty, the guy you want to per- save over Tupac. Well, I, I'm just saying over Tupac. Yeah, absolutely. But over Tupac, I might be inclined to save, uh, you know, most most people. So I don't know about that. Uh, here's yeah. something I would definitely. Do. Here's something I definitely do. I'd go back to like 1998 and tell George Lucas, "Can you not write Jar Jar Banks into your movie? Because that's going <laughs> to ruin it for a lot of people. That's just." That's a well, saga-killing character right there. That just admit Jar Jar, and you're good. You're good. Well, don't Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, I can, I would tend to agree with you on that. Well, I have to say, if, if I could travel back in time, I'm not being uh, shallow, but I, the first thing I would do was make sure that I made a ridiculous amount of money. So, you know, I'd be finding out who's going to win this, and it would just be so much fun to come back. And place all kinds of bets, and uh, just sh- shock myself and the rest of the of my friends and family with this crazy thing that I was able to do, and then just help out everybody I knew. I mean, that keep me busy for the next eon. You know what I mean? Well, look at time travel. I'd go into the future, and uh, then I'd, I'd somehow buy a sports almanac, go back into my present day, and then just start uh, you know betting on sports and become a multi billionaire. That's what I'm saying. I mean, that's what I'm trying yeah. to say. It, By the way, that's a, that's a, that's a storyline from Back to the Future too. I'm just saying. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, it doesn't really matter because that's right. That's right on the money. And so our guest tonight, by the way, his name is Jason Quit with two T's, Q U I T T. Okay, yes. and he's got a book that we're going to discuss this evening called Forbidden Knowledge: Revelations of a Multi-Dimensional Time Traveler. He also got a Kindle version, wink, wink, for all you out there with your Kindles. Although, does anybody still have a Kindle? What the, why Kindle. the fuck do you do Kindle anymore? I got a Kindle. Really? Isn't that well, it's like a, it's, a, it's, it's a Kindle Fire. No, it's a Kindle Fire. It's like it's actually pretty cool. It's um, a, it's a tablet basically is what it is. Uh, yeah. But it's uh, it's called the Fire t- a Kindle by uh, by Amazon, and uh, it's pretty good. It's only like fifty bucks. And it, you can play video, music, read, do everything on it. Okay, well, it's pretty good. Fair enough. The the book is available uh, for your Kindle. Uh, I can see that. He also wrote the book with a guy named Bob Mitchell, who could not be here tonight because he's under the weather. So we're going to give him a shout out. Bob, yes. we hope you're feeling right tonight. We hope that you're listening. And if you're not listening, uh, we're putting psychic thoughts into your brain right now to make you feel good. So, how's that? Love that guy. Sad yeah. that he's uh, okay. a little bit sick right and so now. The cool thing about Jason is, number one, he seems very, uh, and I don't mean this as a, a cut, it's a, it's, a, it's a kudo, which is, uh, he seems very sane. Right, right. He is a sane guy. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, he yeah. is a uh, very, he seems very sane. I spoke to him briefly, and <clears throat> he also is a dimensional time traveler. And so, Perhaps even the kind of quote-unquote shallow things that I think about doing during my time travel experiences, uh, my material wealth and the uh, harem and the ridiculous homes and cars and guitars and uh, opulent pot, right? The greenest of green. I'm so envious of you right now. You're with me, right? I I can't even smoke the pot. Jesus. Well, all I can say sucks is right that now. I do. Well, you can hear my throat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting there coughing. 
but I will say that it has been one hell of a ride growing this stuff for the first time. I'm having so much fun. And my little guru, if you heard last week, my Yoda of pot, while I grow this thing in, in my – I only have one, folks, so please don't rob me. But I have one of these little guys, and I baby the hell out of this thing, and I listen to Yoda, and I do what Yoda says. And sure enough, this thing is looking like something out of high times. How do you like that? Very nice. Yeah, so it's been quite a fun hobby. And like I said, if it was just putting water in it, Angel, where you're like, okay, you just water it, and blah, blah, blah. And you look next day, you just water it, blah, blah, blah. No, there's more stuff to do. It's got this whole little bonsai-esque thing that Yoda has taught me where you're pulling the leaves off. You're pulling yep. off the leaves, and you have to you have to Ooh, go through you it. Good. You have to, yeah. Oh, my God, and I'm... And it didn't work at first. It was like I didn't get it. And I'd say, I, I'm no, fuck that. I'm not doing that. I'm just going to put the water in and and, and, I, and and then it fucking clicked. And I was like, wow, this is fun. This is really fun. And I've never grown anything before because I don't give a shit. And I'm too lazy sometimes. And I mm-hmm. probably ruined it anyway. So And it doesn't take batteries. And it's not electronic. So I usually don't give a shit about it. <laughs> and that's just me. But... <laughs> <laughs> He's not lying, folks. Is, that's, yeah, that's how he is. This is fucking cool. <laughs> if you have not grown pot, grow pot. It's fun. I don't even know if this is going to taste. It, well, it smells terrific, but maybe it'll suck. Maybe it'll be the worst pot in the world. Maybe I won't get high off it. I don't you know. know. Back in uh, 2000 and, uh, what was it, five or six, I lived in this apartment uh, with roommates, and we grew two uh, two trees at the apartment. And, we, and let me tell you, we did a phenomenal job. Phenomenal. You, did. you were proud and of And it is a lot right? of fun. I was so proud. Dude, one of the trees yes. that we grew, like, actually extended all the way, that like, hit the roof, like, the very, very, uh, roof of the house. It was a huge tree. And we just had it there in the living room. We didn't care. I know. And you know what it you is? It's this, like, this little thought that runs Nobody over snitched head. on us. Everybody came in and they're like, hey, yeah, that's a nice tree. Nobody ah, it's just there out in the open, boo. Yeah. Nobody cared. Well, I mean, I try to be somewhat, uh, you know, incognito, but it's my backyard, you know. I mean, I just... Yeah, but it's too. legal where you're at. It wasn't legal where It's legal, at. and I'm still being, you know, under the radar a little bit, you know. I sort of, like, tiptoe around back there, <laughs> sort of look around, you know. I've got this bird netting on it right now because of the little fucking bugs. I don't want them touching it. I'm like, get off, get off, you know. But anyway, let's get off that. I want to get back to time travel. You know what's interesting about time travel in... It's almost become a subset of ufology, and you might be asking yourself, why? Why? Uh, what does time travel have to do with ufology? Well, let me enlighten you really quick. Many people, including the famous Jacques Vallée, uh, French researcher, and some God of you may you. have seen it. Uh, yeah, thank you. Right? Uh, some, right. of, some of you may remember him from what movie? Uh, Zeitgeist? No? And what oh, movie? Damn. Chat Room? Chat Room? Does anyone remember? Jacques Vallée. Ever. Yeah, oh, my God. Ever. Does anyone know what no, movie? No oh, there's only probably a half a person in the fucking chat room, so it doesn't matter. Well, it, it um, registers like 60 people in there, so. 60 people and nobody knows the movie that Jacques Vallée was in? The famous nope. ufologist from France. The man who well, he was from France, for crying out loud, Jesse. Like, yeah, somebody's, somebody is going to bail me out here. Please. 
Oh, okay, fine. He was in Close Encounters. And he oh, that was my that was my next guess right there. I was I was going to guess yes, that. Yes, that was Jacques Vallée, and he is a very very well respected ufologist, like the cream of the crop type guy. Point being is that he proposed a theory, I believe, a long time ago. We're talking years now, maybe twenty, uh, where he thought that through his research that it was more palatable, made more sense that these beings were traveling interdimensionally rather than vast distances. And he's obviously not alone in that opinion, but after years of research on a very high level, that made the most sense, is that beings, uh, if they are actually physical, and that's another thing we're going to talk to Mr. Quid about tonight, are these beings physical? Um, and when I say physical, are they like us? Basically, three-dimensional okay. beings, which Correct. actually, I, I, you know, I do think they are, even if they are in a different dimension. And I, and I wouldn't even call it a different dimension. I'd call it more like a parallel Earth, parallel universe type of thing. Uh, and if that's the case, I think they would be, you know, just like us, just on a different plane of existence, which really would just be a different frequency. So uh, one way to travel from one place to the other would be just travel through the frequency and that would be the wormhole you would take. You'd have to figure out a way to connect the frequencies so you could hop from one to the other. Well, it sounds, sounds good sense? on paper. How right, it makes sense on paper, right? Hey, have yeah. you ever seen the show Slider? Sliders, huh? Oh, well, I was going yes, uh, yes, I have, but I was going to bring up Fringe, yep. one of my favorite shows. That one also, yeah, that, that deals that with it as well. Did yep. you know that the, the, did you watch Fringe? Oh, religiously, are you kidding me? That's one of my favorite shows ever. Me ever. Too. I, my favorite character, obviously, I loved all of them, but obviously the uh, the the mad, crazy uh, scientist, Walter. the father, Walter, Walter, Walter. Thank you. yeah, Walter's the man, and I, and a pothead mm-hmm. too, by the way. Oh, indeed, and yeah. uh, obviously the blonde gal. I was, oh yeah, yeah, you know, overjoyed to see every week. Kind and uh, once I saw an interview with her, and she actually has a very thick accent. Did you know that? She, yeah, she's like British, right? Or where's she from? I think she, she thinks she might be Australian. Something like that, yeah. Heard another shrimp on the barbie. All right, good day, mate. Hey. Anyways, I want to talk to Mr. Quid about that. I want to talk to him about what he thinks about guys like Andy Bassagio, Andy B. Okay? If you're not familiar with Bassagio, you know, we throw out all these names because you're supposed to know this shit, people. You're supposed to look at this stuff during the work week. Andy B., if you want to fall into a YouTube stupor, okay, you know, when you're just <laughs> fumbling around YouTube at 2 o'clock in the morning when you're supposed to be in freaking sleep because you got to get up for work the next day and you're like, oh, I'll just get high a little bit more and watch a couple of YouTubes. Next thing you know, it's 3.30, okay? Andy B., just type in Andrew Basaggio. I don't know how to spell it offhand. I think it's two S's with a G-I-O somewhere in there. This is a guy who claims to have served his country as one of the first chrononauts, one of the first people to travel via a Stargate portal. Yes, this is what he says, and has traveled <laughs> to Mars and other places all around the world and through time. He has... right. Talked about going through time extensively. In fact, one of his claim to fame 
uh, items for proof of any of this stuff because there's no Stargate you can look at and there's no manuals and then there's no badges and there's no uh, bill stubs, uh, pay stubs, and there's no witnesses. In other words, there's no proof whatsoever. There's no proof except this is what really the only physical piece of proof that Andy Bisaggio has. I'll come right to the chase. I will save you 16 hours of YouTube <laughs> stupor if you want. Do you want me to do that, or should I just not be buzzkill it? I don't know, because it is enjoyable. Uh, well, yeah, you just might as well tell them, even though when people see, I know exactly where you're going at with this, the, the image, right? The uh, Western image? Correct. It, it, close enough. Yeah. It, it was a Gettysburg image. Right, right, right. That Which a little you, boy in this photo, okay? It's ridiculous. And he claims that little boy is him. Because keep mind in mind, you, he started this program, uh, this uh-huh. he was part of this Stargate program um, when he was a young boy. He got uh, drafted in, okay, uh, recruited, so to speak, via his father. I mean, I really know a lot about this guy because it, it's fucking entertaining. It's riveting. Yeah, but here's the thing. That image, and this is what I hate about the ufology sometimes and about some of the people in it like Andy B., his only proof is a very blurry image where you cannot even make the make out the face of the person in the image, so there's no way to prove that's him. Oh, yeah, it's not even close. I mean, it is so unavailable for any sort of identification. This photo, completely. I mean, that description was ridiculous. But seriously, yeah. that is what it is. It is such mush. The face, even if you blow it up, you can't see anything. No, yeah, you could take any archival photo. Uh-huh. A child. Hey, that's me. That's I mean, me. Yep. Right. So, do I think that's bullshit? Absolutely. That is ridiculous. I mean, this is like Jonathan Reedville. As oh, far worse. As it's worse yeah. than Jonathan. At least, at least Jonathan Reed so. tried. No, at least he tried. He, he had a little puppet alien that was kind of cool. It opened his eyes. You know, he tried, man. He had that thing around his wrist that supposedly made him freak out. (laughs) He was trying hard to sell you on his bullshit. Andy, besides you, was like, yeah, there's an image of me as a kid in the Civil War or whatever. This is Gettysburg. This is is real. This is real. By the way, he's also also running for president. You know, he said he was going to win, that he would be the president of the United States. Yeah, I uh, I don't think that's working out too well for him right now. I don't think he's... Got, you know, why, why are you dissing my candidate? Uh, you, not uh, only that, but you're, you're still you're still <laughs> the crescendo is that, folks, Andy B, I call him Andy B because I like to shorten people's names sometimes. Yes, you um, do. I'm, like, I got in trouble the other day. People were laughing at me. I had a little horror movie party, and uh, I bought the fixins for barbecue and had my uh-huh. favorite people over. And uh, I said, yeah, I got barbecue fixins. I got pot salad, and they're like, what the hell's pot salad? <laughs> Potato salad. You know, I just do that with a lot of words. So, yeah, but in your area, yeah, you got to be careful when you say pot salad because people are gonna be like, "Wait a second, are we smoking tonight?" Nobody told me. Yeah, but everybody is something? in this state. Like you said, it's freaking legal, so it don't matter. You know, it doesn't matter. The point is, is that Andy B is now running for president. He has been running for president for a long time. He's got a website. I think it's like. Oh, man, I wish I had the URL on the tip of my tongue here. It's like Andy B, uh, 2016 or something. But he's really going for it, and he's trying to be straight up. But here is the kicker to his story. Do you want to <laughs> you want to tell who he claims he served in this program with? Uh, Laura Eisenhower. That's one of them, right? 
Negative. A guy by the name of Barry Satoro. Ring a bell. Oh, yeah, that guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Obama. Obama! Or as I like to call him, as I like to call him, as I like to call him, Obezy. What do you call him that? Because he's he's, he's either Obezy or he's uh, B-Rock Obama. Hey, look, here's 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 my take on Obama real quick. I get a lot of flack for this. Look, Barack Obama is the coolest president we've ever had, okay? Hands down. He's the he's one of the most well spoken, smartest, suavest guys that we've had as president. Yeah, he's he's, de- he's definitely okay. uh, been able to sell us a Every lot other of bullshit over the last like years. Like they need Viagra, okay? I'd rather have a guy who looks like like they need Viagra than a guy who's stabbing you in the in the front but making you feel good about it. That's I don't want to hear is. about. I don't want to hear political re- rhetoric. I don't. Hey, you brought him up. I, I'm not bringing up politics. <laughs> I'm just telling you my take on him. So he really is, he is quite a cool guy. But I will, I will say in the past, like, eight months, he's been way too cool as far as, you know, obviously the media takes control of this, what they portray to you. I get that. The filters, et cetera, et cetera, propaganda, control. However, uh, it just seems like, you know, too many vacations – Lame duck president, it's just kind of a drag. So I am looking forward to having... I'll tell you this much. I'll tell you this much. Before Obama was in office, I had health care. After Obama's uh, Obama doesn't care program, I can't afford it. Thank you, Obama. That's universal health care. No, I can't have health care. And by the way, I'm also getting uh, fined for that. Because I have the opposite opposite story. So, I I mean, it goes both ways. Hey, listen. Someone actually wrote something in the chat room. Oh my God! It's fantastic. What'd they write? Yeah, Andy be assured that he'd be president because he uh, already been president in the future. So he assured he's going to be oh. president. So when he doesn't win, we're we're going to know he's full of shit. That's basically no, it. No, this gentleman, this gentleman is right. This gentleman is right. I believe his name is Sebastian. Thank you for that comment. I remember this now. B has said that he has seen this go down. And you know that there's always going to be some caveat, right, so that when it doesn't happen, because I don't see – do you see any way that Andy B. becomes president? I just don't No get, chance in hell. See it. No, no I'm trying no to be negative. I am. There's no way in hell. That well, happens. No, yeah, but you're not a fan of his either. You put him in the Michael Horn column, you know. You, you have no patience for that. That's where you draw the line in the sand. You get very upset about that stuff. Yep, yep, yep. By the way, we have to hit break in a second here because we've got to get our guest on. He's waiting in the wings. Waiting okay, I, you in know, the wings. I'm excited about this. I, I'm really excited to talk to somebody who's willing to answer uh, some interesting questions, more on like a layman level sometimes. I think people get too caught up in some of the uh, hoity-toity aspects. We're going to try to see what real people would want. Of course, you're invited as well, folks out there listening, because this is a live freaking show, not a podcast that's been edited 4,685 times, which is why I don't have a little honk-honk or anything like that that probably would annoy you anyway. That's not the point. The point is is that sometimes we like to get really granular on this new program about things that people really want to know, whether it be time travel, whether it be abduction, and sometimes these questions might come across as a little uh, shallow-esque. Because some people call in or write me and say, oh, we know all that already. But you know what? We're going to do a couple of refreshers. And I guarantee you, when we come back with our guest tonight, Mr. Jason Quit, that you're going to want to probably either call in or message me 
some really interesting questions about interdimensional time travel. We're not talking about going through vast distances. We're talking about, as Jackal pointed out, possibly just flipping a switch and being in the same place but in a different dimension. And I don't want to get too scientific tonight because it gets over my head and a lot of the audience real fast. I want to get dry. I want to find out what it's like to go through life having this power because I believe this gentleman does all this without any sort of mechanical uh, assistance, if you know where I'm going. So in a moment, after these words from uh, – are they your sponsors or are they – they're not my sponsors. They're just some people with it, I know. They're just friends, okay. family okay. members, a- after, after these words from <laughs> not my sponsors, we're going to get back. This is Euphonaut Radio, Jesse Randolph on the mic. Uh, the Honorable Chris J. Brown is going to take the night off and the angel of ufology at my side. We'll be right back, kids. UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction, are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with Key Information Solutions. Providing solutions to your Internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology. Preventative maintenance and networking support. Hardware and custom-built computers. Let Key Information Solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954 That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. The George Rodriguez Show. Who? I said the George Rodriguez Show. You don't know George Rodriguez? Wasn't he the guy that filled in for Neil Rogers? Yes. That George Rodriguez. What's he like? Oh, he's a short little Cuban fellow. Kind of funny looking. Well, when's he on? 12 to 3, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on SoFloRadio.com and SoFloRadio.net. The George Rodriguez Show is much more than adequate. Back Monday night, Power Pack PSN Radio night for you. You cannot radio Jesse Randolph on the mic with the angel of ufology and our guest tonight, Mr. Jason Quitt. Let me tell you a little bit about this guy. And we've been talking about 
time travel in the first half hour a little bit. But I don't think it's the way that people imagine with my next guest. And there's a major distinction between what you see in a television movie or the famous H.G. Wells film, right, The Time Machine, and one of my favorite movies. I just sat there and I'm eating Doritos and thinking to myself, oh, my God, i got to get one of these freaking things. I totally got to get one. i got to build one. i got to figure it out. I will have the best life ever. And I watched that movie maybe 17 times. Let me tell you a little bit about Jason. As a multi-dimensional time traveler, Jason Quitt has experienced the past, the present, and the future. From ancient Egypt and Atlantis to our possible pre- and post-apocalyptic future, he has been a witness to our unrecorded history. And I'm going to end it right there because it keeps going, but it doesn't matter because that's enough for you to go, what? So with that, I'd like to introduce and give a quick round of applause for our guest tonight, little tennis spot, Jason Quick. Thank you for having me. Hello. Hey, man. Great to have you on me. Uh, why don't you tell us where you're calling in from tonight? I am calling in just north of Toronto in Canada. Fantastic. You know, we had a Canadian guest last week. A fan, uh, what a great guy. He's a professional sky watcher. I don't know if you guys hang out or not because I know Canada is kind of a small place. You might know him. That oh, okay, I was just kidding. But anyways, uh, I have been I have been to Quebec. I am a huge Canada fan. I have friends there. I, have, I probably have a couple of enemies there as well. Uh, have you lived in Canada your whole life? My whole life, I've been in Ontario. Okay, and yeah. why don't we just jump into this? Because I think the best way to introduce this aspect of time travel to the audience is to try to tell people uh, how this affected you, because this is something through sort of, I don't want to say osmosis, that sort of came over you as time progressed during your life, that you noticed certain things that were different about yourself. Isn't that correct? Yeah. Um, Why don't we start I there? <laughs> sure. Um, I think I was very open to um, my whole life. Um, I remember um, having past life memories and experiences uh, at quite an early age, probably around, I first started around the age of four. And I think I had a very big past life uh, remembering at the age of 11. And um, I would also leave my body as a child. And I'd also, you know, see things uh, walking around my room in the middle of the night um, and obviously it scared me and I ran to my parents and told them what was going on and they just said it's nightmares. So from an early age, I just thought I'm just like everybody else. I'm just having nightmares. It's a normal thing. And, um, after thinking that those abilities were just normal, um, they kind of went away. So nothing really happened until I would say my early twenties when for some reason all these abilities started to come back to me. Um, and I don't know if uh, you're familiar with sleep paralysis. Yeah, I'm, I'm really probably... familiar with it. Yep. Absolutely. I, suffer I, know, from it, I yep. know it's been used as, a, uh, as a, an excuse or a, to solve the, the missing mystery link of uh, uh, the abduction experience uh, by Harvard. So I know it's about sleep paralysis through that. Okay, so, um, well, I didn't know anything about it. 
all I knew is I was experiencing it. So um, it started to happen to me in my early 20s where, um, you know, basically you wake up in the middle of the night and you're completely awake and aware, but you're stuck inside your body and your body's frozen. So basically you're just yelling in your mind uh, to wake up or to move a finger or, you know, just to do something, uh, which is not a fun experience at all. Um, and this experience actually happened almost every single night to me. And I got so used to this experience that I would actually start to feel this thing starting to walk into my room. And right when it would walk into my room, I'd be frozen. And I can feel it walking around. I can Sometimes it sat on the edge of my bed, and I you could actually feel the bed compress. Mm-hmm. Um, so... In my mind, I'm thinking, you know, you always go to fear first. Uh, You know, I'm thinking this is like an alien abduction or some type of demonic entity. Uh, I really didn't like that experience, and um, I really wanted it to stop. Um, So one night, you know, I was just getting so fed up uh, with the situation. I was just kind of yelling in my head to wake up, and I was trying to shake myself awake from inside my body. And I actually shook myself so hard that I popped right out. And I had my, um, I would say my first outer body experience in my early 20s. Okay, okay, let's, can, let's stop. Yeah. Let's hop there for a second, uh, right. Jay, because uh, so that's like chapter one there. So a couple questions real quick. So first of, of all, when you were a kid and this stuff was started yeah. going down, and like you said, uh, I've, I've learned in the past through research and, and guests and, uh, for years that children have all kinds of abilities and they have energies and things that they can do until uh, society sort of squashes that out of them uh, to a certain degree. Uh, does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like you were you had fallen into that uh, to comply and to assimilate you, that you sort of suppress this stuff at some point. But my question is, did you know about that these were uh, OBEs and, and that sort of thing uh, when they were happening? Did you get validation of that much later in life? Uh, how did you find out that this was going on and, and that that would uh, soul traveling? What was what what was going on? Well, when I was a child and I would leave my body or have those types of experiences, um, I always just passed them off as uh, dreams or nightmares. Right. And it, it wasn't until it started to happen again where I was totally blown away that it was a, a very different experience than uh, dreaming or a nightmare. Um, so I knew right away that, okay, this is something different. And what then was I started so different remember- about it? I'm trying to get granular with what exactly, because I think most people would be like, yeah, I had, like I was a scared kid. I had a lot yeah. of nightmares and I, I was afraid of the dark and I was afraid of closets and I, I felt like an <laughs> idiot, but I was really afraid. So uh, what kind of things made this different? Okay. So when I was a child, um, I was always afraid of the closet, just like most children. Sure. And before I'd go to sleep, every single night, I would run to my closet and, like, make sure that it was closed shut. (laughs) And in the middle of the night, I would feel a presence, and I'd get, you know, a lot of fear inside of me. And my closet door would just open by itself, 
and I would see this being standing in my closet and it looked like this dark shadow. And uh, when I really tried to get a good look at it, it almost looked like, um, I don't want to say a scarecrow, but it almost looked like a dehydrated person, very dark. Uh, okay. Like a, <laughs> it's the only way I could describe it. And then as a child, I remember uh, being taken out of my body I'm not sure if it was from this being or not, but uh, basically uh, they would take me down uh, into the basement, but it wasn't my home. It's almost like the home shifted to another home and they showed me a coffin and there was a body inside the coffin. And I think they were trying to show me that they were dead, that this was them. And when I looked outside, it didn't look like my house. It, it may have looked like a hundred years prior and it was like farmland. Like I just saw farmland there. So it was almost like in that state, I was able to, I would say, be taken to other people's past lives and they were showing me where they lived, how they died. But and this actually, is just, that, this, these are things that you thought of at the time or in retrospect years later or you you would have these like for instance i'm trying to think about in a linear fashion so you'd have an episode yeah. you, you're afraid of the closet the guy's in the closet and then what happens he does he poof disappear then you go back to sleep and does it happen again or how does it go down um yeah it would happen multiple times so okay. it wasn't just one one occurrence and that's actually my thought process when i was a child I wow. actually did think that they were showing me that they have died and maybe they were implanting those thoughts. And when I saw the environment that they were showing me, the thoughts came into my mind that they were showing me their life in the past. So it was almost like I was getting fed that information and the visuals. Okay. And I, I also remember, you know, I would say uh, leaving my body as a child and we had this quite amazing park in the backyard or just behind the backyard. And uh, in the summertime, there were always people in the park playing baseball. Um, and I remember many times just, I don't know, just flying from my bedroom and then just hanging out in the outfield and watching them. So basically, so have, to a certain degree, uh, one part of your abilities would definitely be and this is not to undermine it at all, but just to get people to go, oh, yeah, is uh, you're that kid from I Can See Dead People, right? Like Sixth Sense kind of deal, correct? But only when I went to sleep. I didn't oh, see it when I okay. was awake. So you were yeah. checking out the baseball field in the sleep state That's and right. then seeing them. Okay, okay, I'm following. Okay. So let's right. – let's, and and so are you telling friends about this growing up? Because you said at one point it, it, it got somewhat suppressed and then went away for a while, correct? Yeah. Um, what happened was is that when I was 11 years old, I went to a new school and I had to make all new friends. And me and this other guy, we became very good friends. And um, all these memories of a past life we shared together came back to me. And it was quite an amazing uh, lifetime, and I, I remembered it so vividly, and there were so much emotions attached to it. And I remember uh, going to school and, and running up to this kid. Remember, I'm, I'm 11 years old, 
And I remember uh, going right up to him and saying, you know, don't you remember who we were? Like I was trying to get him to remember who we were in a past life. Whoa. And I said, yeah. And I said, don't you remember me? I killed you in a past life. But like, what? how can you not remember me? <laughs> I'm 11 oh years God. old. And this is what I'm telling this kid in school. <laughs> yeah. The kid's like Wigan. He's like, oh man, dude. <laughs> I would be uh, just like, don't try to kill me now on this life. Just, you know, that's well, just- but we're, we're still friends, actually, so I guess we have some type of connection. I actually just talked to him before I came on this show. <laughs> oh, man. You're like, yeah, um, I don't know what you told him, but okay. So yeah. that's that's chapter one. Then this stuff gets suppressed. What age are you when this somewhat dies down for a while? I would say um, after 11, I, I realized that, you know, they kind of looked at me very strange for what I was saying. I didn't think it was strange at all. I thought, Everybody knew these things. Um, but then I learned, you know, maybe I shouldn't open my mouth and tell people that, you know, we were in a past life together and I murdered them or something. So. Well, no, it's funny you say that. You say it in jest, yeah. but I just watched a documentary last night about a boy who claimed, you probably know the story, but I hadn't. And it was in a YouTube stupor. And it was a boy who claimed to have lived in past life on an island called Barra in Scotland. And mm-hmm. there is there was no possible way he could have known about the island, et cetera, et cetera. And he, but the interesting part about this was that this boy actually remembered the surname. He remembered the family name and his family. And he actually really was depressed because he missed his parents, even though he loved his current parent, uh, his mother. He missed his uh, other. Uh, he called them his Barra parents. So. Um, it's interesting that you say that because uh, I find that with this documentary and many of the people who have these uh, past life experience memories, uh, they do like to talk about them and be somewhat open about it and, and uh, without figuring out that everyone else is not dealing with this, correct? That's right. And like I said, for some reason, there was no filter in my brain at that time where I just thought they would know. Right. You know, it just didn't dawn on me that I was the only person in this group that had those memories. Yeah, I mean, I had so that I, problem getting bar mitzvah. You had something totally different. You know what I mean? It's a totally different. <laughs> but seriously, I mean, right. that is, that's a crazy thing to start throwing on people and just assuming that everybody's dealing with that. What a strange world we'd be in, huh? You know, you go, go, right. go to get some milk and be like, don't you remember when I kicked your ass in fourth grade and – a, a life four times ago, you know, that kind of thing. It just, to me, it's, it, it must've been uh, somewhat confusing, but the folks that you were seeing in the closet or in other places like that, were you able to communicate with these, uh, I'm going to say beings, correct? I mean, are they, uh, no, who are they, beings? they never spoke to me. Okay. Um, for like, I would just see them and they would scare me and, you know, I'd put my, uh, covers over my head like a normal child and they would just kind of go away. Um, they never hurt me or threatened me or anything. It was it was very passive, but it didn't feel good. It just it just scared me. Well, yeah, um, I think it would scare most people. And then, uh, how did it deal with? Uh, how did you handle? Did you end up doing a lot of research on your own books and that sort of thing? I, I, I think this is kind of pre-internet, right? So, yeah, yeah. this is. 
this is definitely pre-internet and no, I didn't. Um, and even when I started to get um, my experiences in my early 20s, um, that was uh, pre-YouTube as well. That was so. Yeah, no, exactly. So you you weren't able to find people very easily that either had the same experience until like a what like a Brian Weiss book comes out or something like that where you're able to see hey lots of people are having this experience. When did it dawn on you that other folks actually do have this happen to them? I someone recommended me to read a Robert Monroe book. Oh boy, early. Yeah. Okay, and, and what would you think of that? Now, can you explain to the audience real quick for for folks who don't know uh, what a a Robert Monroe book would represent? Um, he was. Uh, this is a long, long time ago. Um, he, <laughs> uh, he was teaching people how to leave their bodies um, in a clinical setting, and I think he also worked for. Um, the CIA and FBI and um, some government right. programs and training them. Um, but he talked about uh, leaving his body and different methods of doing it and what they would do in their classes once they left their body. And so for me, it was fascinating to read because I was already doing that naturally. Um, so the book just kind of uh, validated uh, my experiences. Yeah, no, I can see where the book would totally validate your experiences, and I find it fascinating. In fact, uh, I think it was Albert Taylor one uh, one time I was listening to on Art Bell, uh, he, he big soul traveler guest, and uh, some of the other people at the time I was dating a gal whose family was really into Eckenkar. and um, that was and again this is Southern California, so there's all kinds of stuff going on, but Eckenkar was something I had never heard of. And most people still don't really know what the hell it is, but a lot of what it's based off of, uh, it's kind of got a Scientology-esque kind of thing going on, but really it's more soul travel and uh, dream interpretation and things of that nature. Um, and, and for myself, I find it very, very frustrating to be honest with you, uh, Jason, because uh, I will admit that I did try some of these things after listening of years of you know remote viewers and Ingo Swans and P uh, Albert Taylors and uh, Eckenkar and people who could travel to these beautiful places and do all kinds of amazing things uh, like you know uh, basically some sort of fairy tale and here I am sweating on a couch in Encino trying to make this work, staring at the fucking ceiling, feeling like an idiot and going, Jesus Christ, nothing is working, you know, and and giving up, you know. And I think most people have that same kind of frustration experience. So it is kind of neat to talk to somebody who has been able to do it because I think everybody wants to be able to do this. And the shitty part is that a lot of guests come on and say, yeah, you can do this. You can get trained to do this. It can be done, and maybe they're right, but I will tell you that I think there are people that just have this power, and there's some people that don't, and I think, obviously, you have this power. Do you look at it as having, like, a superpower, like some sort of guy on uh, a Marvel movie or something? As a superpower, um, I really do believe that we could all do it, but if someone asked me to train them to do it, I would have no idea how to do that. 
because it's, you know, to leave your body or to have these journeys, it's, it's such a personal experience and it really has to do with the sleep cycle, I think. And, um, I also tried, um, uh, from Monroe, uh, I got this thing called uh, Hemisync. Yes. Um, and I was listening to that stuff for a while. It did absolutely nothing. And then one night I was listening to it and it shut my body down and it, it popped me out just by listening to it. So, so I was. When you get popped out, to, again, yeah. try to explain the ingredients here of what it's like to pop out of your body. Cause I'm getting a visual and it's like this bubble kind of popping out of your body, this translucent kind of silhouette bubble where now I can fly around and I can go inside. Uh, a girl's house that I always wanted to see naked or whatever like that. Yeah. It's crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah. Now we're talking. Tiger. Well, it's like uh, an orb. Yeah. You're talking about like kind of an orb, like a translucent orb. Okay, you got an orb. I didn't. I got the full body translucent orb too. That would be another one that might come out of my head. What's it really like, Jason? Well, I'll tell you the transition. It's, very hard to get used to that transition and it almost does feel like you're dying. So a lot of people will say, well, what does it feel like to leave your body? We'll say it feels like you're dying. <laughs> um, but you know, you're not, so it's not as bad or what? I mean, cause I fainted well, actually, and that felt like dying. Actually, yeah. Well, actually does. the first time I left my body, I did think I died. So it's like, remember I was telling you about the, uh, the sleep paralysis. Yeah. And I popped out of my body and it was like I came out and I'm just kind of floating above my bed. Um, I didn't feel a body um, per se. It's it was a very strange feeling um, because I had 360 vision and um, you can't really scream because you don't have a mouth and you're not breathing because you don't have those organs. Can you look in the mirror? So, I would look, try to look in the mirror. Um, at, at the time, there wasn't a mirror in my in my room where I could see myself. Okay. But I did. But in, in later cases, I did try to look down at my arms, and it's very strange. It was almost like translucent, but energy. So I could make out the shape of my arms, but it was just kind of like green with yellow energy going through it. Huh. Um. Yeah, it was very strange, but when I rose out of my body, um, you could, I could see myself in the bed laying there, frozen, and at the end of my bed, I could now see this being standing there, and it was a very tall being. It, it looked like a, a big shadow uh, just standing at the edge of my bed, um, and for me, it looked like a classic Grim Reaper just like some dark cloaked tall being. Right. And that just kind of, my first thought was I just died. Well, <laughs> you know, yeah, I could see make, my body. Yeah. I could see this being, it looks like the grim reaper. Okay. I'm dead. And I, I got so scared because I wasn't expecting this to happen. And um, like I say, it, it does not feel like a dream. And the only way I could describe it to you is it feels more real than reality, if that makes any sense. Um, no, it does not like make have, any sense. Yeah, it, because it sounds totally, 
insane. I mean, it really does. It, it, to me, it sounds like, uh, and as you can tell from talking with me, I've yeah. obviously dabbled. So I, I know some of these these folks that you've you've talked about with you know Monroe, etc., Hemisync, uh, meditation yeah. slash hypnosis. Um, I find it fascinating, but to actually be able to leave your body, let's get past the Grim Reaper for a second and go. Okay, yeah. you just popped out of your body, right? It's not the mm-hmm. first time you've done this before. You've done it many times, correct? Um, yeah. Are you able to just go off and do anything you want? How does this work? I mean, do you have, do you look at the time and go, okay, I got four hours? How does this work? Um, at first, when I started to uh, dabble with it, um, so my first experiences out of my body, um, they were very short. Um, they were hard to control. But basically, I would just kind of hover around my room and just look at things. And sometimes I would venture out. Um, But the problem that I was finding, um, and I don't know if anybody else has this problem, but it was almost like slipping dimensions. As in, it's like if I raise out of my roof, it's like... um, I could see my house below me, but then I could think of something else and it almost changes like a dream. Wow. Um, so this, it was almost it, like, is this how this, uh, this trans, uh, I don't, not trans, but this dimensional time traveling, uh, came to be? No. Okay. No. Okay. So after I started to dabble and play into this new world, um, I started to gather attention and that's the only way I can put it or understand it because after I started to leave my body, um, I would get visitations, uh, by beings that they did not show themselves to me. They were basically invisible and I can see their outlines, but I can see right through them. So there was no a visual representation of them and they didn't talk to me. All they would do is they'd come into my room in the middle of the night. I can just be off in the dream world dreaming. And suddenly I'm ripped out of that dream and I'm being pulled out of my body. And these beings would like hold me and shoot me up into outer space. Um, For some reason, we had to go to outer space for this to work. I don't know why. But... We go into outer space. I can see the planet below me. And they would show me a point on the planet. And then they would shoot me back down. um, And I'd land at that point that they showed me in outer space. Uh, When I would land in that point, I would look around at the environment and realize that this is not the Earth that I remember. So this was the first steps into this uh, multi-dimensional time travel. Okay, so hold on. So when you were yeah. leaving your body, these folks, yes. these beings were uh, instrumental in being able to – you weren't just flying around the neighborhood and going to Greece and things like that. You were going to the mall, whatever. You were actually being instructed and guided, Correct. That's what yes, it's uh, I I would say physically or energetically taken without my will. <laughs> okay. Just ripped out of my body, no control, and just taken there. Okay, and then so 
when you're in space, yeah. what did that feel like? Actually, I was just in awe. I mean, you know, just to get to see the planet, and everybody asks me if the planet is flat. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to ask you that, what, but okay. Yeah, that would have been a question flat. I would ask. Oh, yeah, when I, are we on a flat Earth? Was, yes or no? No, when I was up there, it looked like a globe. Damn it! But you know, so I could I'm gonna go with that. I'm going to go yeah. with that. But okay, so you're you're out in space, but you can't yeah. see these beings, but they're there. They're so holding essence, me. Right, but in essence, you're yeah. visually alone. Correct. Correct. I'm visually and, alone. And are you? Uh, are you in? How high up are you? Are you in orbit? Are you? Oh yeah, I'm yeah. To... I'm in. I'm quite high up in orbit where I could see the entire planet. Oh boy. Okay. And then they point to a a place on the planet, and yes. and and take you to it. That's right. Instantaneously. What's the? Uh, it's you what, ever see those like uh, it was like a Google Map zoom in. Sure. To the location. That's exactly what it was like. Wow. It okay. Was like so you, you're up there and you're just shot right down. And did you have any physical sensations? Um, it sounds like the only way you could describe it is um, it sounds like white noise in your ear, like muffling in your ears. It's the only I'm way just, I could I'm just wondering because I just threw up five times snorkeling for the first time three weeks ago. So I'm just wondering what <laughs> that's know, like. Actually, you know, it's funny that he says that it sounds like white noise, because uh, I equated earlier before you, we had you on, Jason, that uh, mm-hmm. time traveling would be kind of almost like switching frequencies, uh, which would be like what white noise would be to me. Like, you know, that would be a similar sound you would hear if you're switching from one frequency to the next. Uh, that's the, out of all the sensations that it's all, it almost sounds like wind going past your ears, but it's like white noise. Interesting. Okay, but well, it makes sense because you're, you're flying from space to the, to the, to the earth, so you're going to have a lot no, of No, but even, but even when I travel through wormholes, it's the same, it's the same sound. Like a frequency sound. Yeah, it's just like white noise. Yeah. Well, he's actually traveling if there's, if there's, but he's not traveling physically, so it has nothing to do with uh, actual wind per se, because there's no right, wind. That's right, 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 right. Um, but but Jay, when when you're going yeah. down to this point, they have picked the point, correct? Correct. I have no control. So, for instance, and you're how old now when this started? To bring it back to chapter what? two here, uh, twenty-two. So you're twenty-two. You're what? Uh, you're you're working. You're living at home. What are you doing? Yeah, I'm living at home. I'm working at a recording studio. Um, uh, with the person I killed in a past life <laughs> and uh, you know life is fun what can I say life was fun um, okay so, and then yeah so life was fun and then uh, we take you back uh, you're up there and they're going to pick this point they zap you to it what happens next I'm alone in this environment so Let's I've see. just been dropped I've been dropped off in this environment and there's no communication and it's almost like I'm just there to observe the scene in front of me. So can you give and, us an example of one of them? Uh, this way we can 
kind of try to visualize? Well, sure, of course. Um, the first place they ever took me, um, basically the planet looked like it was burnt. Um, so the ground was very uh, brown and red, and there was trees that I could see burnt in the distance. Uh, they just looked like black cinders, and the uh, the sky was... Uh, it was almost like a, a ruby or blood red. Um, so this did not look like any environment that I've ever seen before. But you um, were but on Earth, knew, correct? I was on Earth because okay. I, I saw it from space and shot right back down to it. Right. Um, and so my first thoughts was, you know, am I seeing the future or am I seeing the past? Like, what what am I being shown here? And then. Then I was taken um, and I was pulled underground to uh, a bunker. Um, and it, it looked like um, like a backyard bunker. It wasn't really well built. And there was a guy in there and it looked like he was suffering greatly. So whatever had happened, this bunker did not protect him. And the reason I thought it was in the future is just because... Um, the, the clothing that the person was wearing was, was quite modern. Um, so that's the only way I can gauge that it wasn't in the past. But they couldn't see you, correct, this person? No, no, no. I'm, I think I'm just out of phase completely or mm-hmm. in another density altogether. Right. Um, so after viewing this, um, I was shot back at, out to outer space and then shot back down through the roof into my bedroom and you wake up and, and this when happened you, when, you, when you woke yeah. up were you able to recall most of it because you know dreams it's like i forget my dreams it pisses me off and i'm done after about 10 minutes i don't remember anything no this is your completely super aware and conscious you remember every second of it oh man okay so you you get up this has happened uh, do you feel yeah. refreshed I mean, how long did this take, do you think, in, in uh, Earth time? Or do you have no clue? I have, I have no clue, but it happens during the night. So, you know, it would happen in the middle of the night, and then it would be over in the middle of the night. So I would say in Earth time, not very long. Did it feel like a positive experience? Because you said in the in Chapter 1 there that uh, it did not feel good, some of the uh, feelings that you were having when this was going down, getting visited. Oh, well, um, like they took me a lot. It's not just what I wrote in the book. There's a lot of things I didn't say. And most of these experiences, they were just basically showing me, I would say the worst that humanity could do to itself. Um, so it's kind of like end of the world scenarios. Okay, so this was shown to you multiple times, you said? Oh, yeah. Yeah, mul- many, many journeys. Uh, the the post-apocalyptic the issue or uh, uh, states? Yes. Or? Yeah, okay. uh, uh, post-apocalyptic. And um, um, basically, um, you know, I was starting to get uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. Well, yeah, it was like makes sense to me. They would they would just kind of drop me off in a brutal war basically. And I just get there to watch it. (laughs) 
What uh, kind right of things did you me. see in, in the brutal war? Was it a futuristic type of war? Uh, was it uh, was it nuclear? I did see I did see nuclear. Okay. Um, in in a couple of them, um, and I saw uh, different types of uh, prison camps, and uh, I would say uh, murder of many different people and even children. Um, so like I say, it's from going from this guy who's working at a recording studio, uh, graphic designer to, um, getting taken and shown all these things when he's trying to sleep at night. Um, you kind of lose it. You really uh, do lose it. I would think you'd be kind of entitled uh, to be honest with you, because I'm, I'm trying to think of some of my issues I'm having this week, and I really would not be able to handle that on top of it. So that's true. Uh, so I, I wouldn't be sleeping. Yeah. yeah, I will say this: the abduction experience, and I've interviewed you know countless abductees. Um, whether or not I feel that the abduction uh, sequence or, or experience is extraterrestrial or interdimensional or, or sleep paralysis, as you've brought up. It doesn't really matter. The point is, is that not only is it heavy trauma, but some of the experiencers uh, not only have, all, of course, described being violated. You know, it's a violation. It's not always just a uh, Sheldon Nidal kind of tea party on board the spacecraft. Um, you know, but they have also some of them described being shown post-apocalyptic imagery. Uh, via some sort of screen. Uh, and mm-hmm. this is something that has happened over and over again. Uh, I'm wondering if you've heard of uh, this within the abduction experience and how that uh, made you feel. Uh, you know what? Ever since I wrote the book with Bob, um, I still get emails all the time from people um, telling me that they've been literally taken on the exact same journey as me. And they've seen the same things. And I've yeah. been bringing back memories that they've been suppressing for so long. Um, so for some reason, um, there is some type of intelligence out there that is multidimensional, that is for some reason taking people like me um, and showing them, I would say, horrific future outcomes. And the only thing that I could think of that makes sense to me is that they're trying to warn us. They're trying to show us that this is futures that we're capable of walking down. Well, I, I, I'll go one step further. I think it's inevitable. Uh, yeah. It seems as though this is just a, uh, as natural as anything. Uh, in our experiences that we will eventually destroy ourselves. And that's just something that uh, we've always done, it seems. Uh, so maybe that's a little naive to just say it like that, but it seems as though it's an in- inevitable experience that is going to happen. And keep in mind, whether it's nuclear or or whether the sun's going to burn out or we destroy ourselves with pollution or whatever it may be, I mean – uh, the issue is it still would cause trauma. I guess my point is that why why show you, you know, what are you going to be able to do about this? Um, 
Jason. And uh, it, do you think that's the reason you were shown because you were supposed to speak out? Because I know some of the folks who who have done something similar, uh, not only did they have issues with you know society, how they you know maybe they had a, a regular job and they did this, they wrote a book or they. Uh, went on the lecture tour, and there's been a number of folks, one of which uh, is a very famous guy who used to work for the L.A. Times for years. Uh, same sort of issue where he was shown uh, special information that he felt he needed to share, and nobody uh, took it, I think, in the, the serious light that he had wanted them to. But uh, how do you feel about this? Are you supposed to be some sort of messenger? Um, I don't know. Truthfully, I don't know if fair, I'm a messenger or not, but but I'll tell you that it did completely alter and change my life. So um, it's like I got out of my career at the time, okay, and I just kind of had to figure out life because these experiences weren't stopping, and those experiences as well started to change. So it was almost like. Um, I started to, after I, I literally begged, you know, people pray. I begged. I said, please stop taking me. I don't like these experiences. I don't want to see this nasty stuff anymore. Right. And, and it actually stopped. It stopped. And you were able to, to stop it when you really wanted to. Yeah, it stopped. But the experiences didn't stop. Um, well, they well, were let's dif- pl- different. What 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 were were they different? And then I have another question. Yeah. Oh, um, basically, um, instead of just showing me things, now they started to communicate with me. And okay. Telepathically, verbally, um, how was tele- tele- telepathically? Okay. But the way the way telepathy works, which I found very strange, was that let's say you're out of your body. Um, you can see them in front of you clear as day. But when they're speaking to you, it's, it's in your head, in your own voice. <laughs> so they actually use your own voice in your head, which is very interesting. Okay, so you got it. You have to understand that many people might be listening, especially some of my listeners. They say, that's called batshit crazy. That's called schizophrenic. That's called, yeah. uh, you know, all kinds of stuff that you go to the psychiatrist for. Did you go that route? Did you go see somebody and say, hey, I'm hearing voices, i.e., and I'm traveling to space a lot, and I'm seeing <laughs> post-apocalyptic shit all the time. What do you think, Doc? Did you do that? Yeah. No. No, I didn't do that. Um, <laughs> do, you, fact, do you need a referral? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you know what? When I was uh, – I think I was I'm trying to remember when I, when it was, I think I was 15 years old. Okay. Um, I was prescribed codeine, you know, when you get your, uh, uh, wisdom teeth out, you know, like they give you some strong meds. Perk or codeine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah, they gave yeah. me codeine. And when I took codeine, it opened up my audio, uh, my, my, what do they call it? The clear audio, clear audience. That's what it is. And so I take codeine, and in a couple of minutes, suddenly there's a hundred people in my room screaming at me at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> like no, what, yeah, I was so scared. What, what were they screaming? <laughs> uh, I, I couldn't tell. 
I could. Sounds like a Donald Trump. They're like, hey, lady, lady. It was not nice, but I remember I went to the doctor after and I said, when I take these pills, <laughs> I have people, people yelling at me in my room. <laughs> I just and, feel like there needed to be some sort of intervention at that point, Jay. <laughs> I think that's what was going on. And I, until this day, on my medical chart, it says, do not give Jason codeine because he has audio hallucinations. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Okay, but seriously, I mean, ask these questions. I mean, people are saying, Jason, did you challenge yourself and say, how do I prove this in any sort of fashion? So that I know I'm not just going crazy. Oh, well, it was the information that was given to me um, that blew me away. Um, because when these beings started to communicate with me, um, they started to talk about, you know, what's going on in our environment, what's going on with our food source, our water, um, different silent, silent weapons that are being used against us with uh, cell phone towers. And they told me in the future that, they're going to be everywhere and it's a big issue. And, you know, so this was a long time ago. And when they would yeah. tell me things, when they would tell me these things, I had no clue what they were talking about. And I remember there, well, there wasn't YouTube. So I'd go on uh, Yahoo, <laughs> I'd go okay. on Yahoo and type in some of the key phrases that they were telling me. And I, I'd pull up articles that talk about what they were telling me. So it just kind of made me a little crazy because, you know, who do you talk to about this stuff? Well, I was going to, um, I was going to jump in and say, I mean, you can't, what are you going to talk to your girl? You call Art Bell at that time and ask Art. Oh, Christmas. I didn't even, I didn't <laughs> even know there was a such a thing as coast to coast. I was completely unaware of any of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes I forget that there was after, uh, the recent yeah, debacle, but yeah, you know, the thing Moving is, is that it just, yeah, it's so bizarre because, really, who do you talk to? In this day and age, yeah, there's plenty of people you can reach out to pretty quickly. But yeah. in that time, absolutely not. And also, uh, I wanted to ask about these beings. Did they introduce yeah. themselves when they started chatting? Um, how did that go down? Do you know that till this day, and, and I've still been getting uh, – experiences even till this age there's i've never met a being that has walked up to me and said hi my name is this and i'm from here mm -hmm. that has never occurred in my entire life so it's they just kind of like, skip the pleasantries yeah there there is no pleasantries it's just that well, what they're about there you? and they're demanded at one point i mean they're taking a lot of your time and they're forcing things upon you and whether or not they're enlightening you or choosing yeah. you, et cetera, et cetera. But don't you think you have a right to know? Um, now that I'm older, I do. But at the time, it, I was just kind of in awe that it was happening. Right. Um, exactly. So I didn't. I just kind of shut up and listened, really. <laughs> um, but yeah, at that time, the only people I could talk to were my friends, and I have a very close group of friends. Um, basically we've grown up together. Um, so basically I would just, no filters. I would tell them everything <laughs> and the looks my friends would give me and 
I could tell that they got extremely uncomfortable when I would talk about these subjects. So I just kind of stopped talking about it and just had it going on in my head. I knew I really couldn't, I knew I wasn't going crazy because I was still quite conscious of that. I knew that this was crazy and I shouldn't tell people about it. (laughs) Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, I mean, it might not be the, the, the thing to bring up, to a lot of people you run into, but I mean, at some point, if you want to get close to somebody, if this was really something that happened to you daily, yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's a big part of your life. So, how did it progress to the point uh, over the years here where you started I'm to you. I'm uh, not only find out more about these these beings or this race or uh, and how you were able to possibly manipulate to the point where you were able to decide what you wanted to see or what you wanted to know about. Were, was there a point where that sort of turned? Uh, yes, yes, and uh, it took quite a while. Um, and I'll just, you know, going back to the uh, beginning of this conversation, you know, we were talking about, you know, why can't I leave my body? Why can't I have these experiences? Right. And what I learned is that this is, once you open this door, um, it doesn't close. (laughs) And I I, I would say that there was a good five or six years of my life that was just just awful having to deal with this stuff. Um, And basically... I would be, this is where we get into like the whole entities and attachments and things trying to take over your body and send you thoughts and like, it's not nice when you start to open up to this world because there's a lot of garbage in it. Well, um, sure. And, and another thing comes to mind too, is that have you ever heard of anyone being able to soul travel or leave their body with someone who who had the same type of experiences and they were able to do it at the same time together only in only in stories i've never yes. actually met somebody that um and even myself i haven't met any friends that have come to pull me out or i've never met friends on the other side um actually that's not entirely true i've had some um I'll call it uh, rescuing a couple times from different um, shamans and and lamas that I uh, had personal experiences with. So um, if I did get in trouble on that side, it was almost like um, I had someone there to back me up and they they helped me out. Okay, okay. And I kind of stopped you before you started talking about how this sort of turned at some point and it went from scary – and out of control to uh, somewhere else. Yeah. It evolved. It evolved. Um, And, like, I did not have a teacher, I would say, in the physical world. And so I had no one really to teach me or to guide me through this. So it was almost like um, I had these invisible guides on the other side and they would always put me in very difficult situations and I had to figure out how to deal with it. So it's like I had to figure out how to deal with 
you know, some entity sitting on my chest and suffocating me at night. <laughs> you know, I had to, had to learn how to deal with those things, which probably happened a couple hundred times. Um, and then I had to deal with a whole other set of beings that were literally just trying to push you out of your body and take it over. And I had to learn how to deal with those guys. Um, so there's like, but you get to a point, it's like, once you get through all that, uh, I'll just call it when you get through all that bullshit mm-hmm. of this lower astral world, suddenly, um, it's almost like you have this new muscle and these things just don't even try to come near you anymore because it would mean trouble for them. Um, it's the only way I could describe it. But once you get past that point, um, you start to get very sensitized to uh, not only your environment, but even uh, the people around you. So like right now, I'm extremely sensitive and if I go into a space and I start to talk to a person, I can actually start to feel what's going on in their body or if there's any energies or entities that are attached to them. Like I'm just very ultra sensitive to that because I've been dealing with it for so long. Um, also, I could walk into a space and I can feel if there's something in there that shouldn't be there. Um, so it's almost like you gain these abilities and these muscles um, by having to actually experience and learn how to get through it for all these years. Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. And and, and then you're able to ignore certain things that might have bothered you and you're used to certain things. It's just like any other skill. Um, Yes. But at some point, were you able to – where I'm going with this is where I would want to go, where it's, okay, I can – pop out of my body and I love the way we say pop out because I, I get the visual okay now yes. I'm able to do all kinds of stuff I can go into space all that stuff the first thing I'm doing is I'm going to the back side of the moon next thing I'm doing I'm going to Mars I'm going over to Jupiter I want to see what is going on what is really out there um, and the way that I see it in my my head when I think about what you're experiencing is I actually see these things the way that I'm seeing my studio right now. Is that the way you you visually see these things when you travel? Yeah, exactly. Um, But I have to tell you, there's still not that much control for myself. As in, let's say I leave my body at night. Okay. And I'm out and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm in my room here. I'm just floating around. Suddenly this portal will open up somewhere in the room. It's about three feet in diameter, I guess. And it's just just like, it's almost like a black hole. It opens up and you get pulled into it. And then you're just traveling. And I have no control over it. Um, And when I go through these, uh, here, I'll tell you a very interesting story about this. Okay. So there's a a time in my uh, journeys, or there's a time in my life that I was leaving my body 30, 40 times a night consciously. So I'd go to sleep, pop myself out, and then a portal will open up somewhere in the room and I just get pulled through it. And like I say, you just it feels like you're traveling very far, very fast, and all you hear is this wind and white noise stuff. And then I don't have any consciousness and I wake up back in bed. 
So it's like, I know I went somewhere, but I have no recollection of where I went. So I'd go to sleep, pop out of my body again. Another portal will open up somewhere in the room and I get sucked into that one. So this would happen constantly, night after night, and I have no memories of what happened. So this was very frustrating to me and I really was curious of, I knew I was traveling, I knew I was going somewhere, but I had no memories of it. So I kept asking and asking, you know, let me remember where I'm going in one of these journeys. And one night it actually happened. So pop out of the body, this portal opens up, suddenly I go through it, but I retain my memory. So I, uh, I come out of this portal, I'm actually flying through space and I see the stars and there's a being behind me and I could feel its hand on my shoulders uh, guiding me through this space. And um, I said, where, I said, where are we going? And they say, we're going to Pegasus. And, you know, I just comprehended that as we're going to the Pegasus constellation. Right. And we're just flying through space. You know, I see the stars and we come to this, um, I guess, solar system. And there's a planet there and it looked like a ice planet. Um, the equator was actually quite green, but most of the poles were, were covered in ice. And I fly right into this planet and there was a building there and it was a school and I go right into the building and I go right into the body of a little boy. <laughs> so now Jason wakes up on this planet in this other body. Oh man, this is Asimov stuff, man. This is really Asimov. And I totally, total control. It was me in a little body. <laughs> and so were you human? Yeah, I was human. Well, who, whatever this planet was, it was populated by humans human. or human like okay. human like. Right. And okay, then what happened? I freaked out. I was so excited. I was like running around. Um, actually, um, when I woke up in this uh, consciousness, I was sitting in a classroom with other children. <laughs> and there was a teacher there. And I was so excited to be there and to like have this experience that I started to turn around and try to ask the children around me, you know, tell me what my name is, where are we, tell me something. And they just all looked at me like I was nuts. That's the only way I could describe it. <laughs> okay, but you were getting a lot of that at the time, so you're, you're okay with that. Well, I'm okay with that, right? So yeah. I didn't care. I just, I actually jumped out of my seat and I ran out of the room and I was going down these hallways and the only thing I could think of in my mind was I need to find a library. I want to see their books. I want to understand where I am. So that was my goal. I was just going to try, try to find a library. And um, I was just then sucked right back out of this kid and back into outer space and then woke up in my bed. And was, I just... What do you think the point of that was? What I believe is that they were trying to show me that we live multiple existences, 
multiple worlds, multiple dimensions, ah. all at the same time. Yes, that's interesting. And it makes a lot of sense. It's very cool. Um, can you – Did oh, man, there's so many questions. Uh, <laughs> at one point, because we're going to run out of time. I know how this goes. Everybody thinks yeah. it's a really long show, and we get into it, and it's not. Uh, at some point – into your 30s, I'm, I'm guessing, from your voice, uh, mm-hmm. you you decided to go to a conference of some sort, whether it was a UFO conference or some sort of uh, whole life expo or something like that, where you hooked up with Bob. So why don't you tell us how you guys met real quick, then we'll get into how you guys ended up writing a book about this stuff. Sure. Um, well, I was going around actually and doing uh, lectures and teachings in uh, healing uh, because in a lot of my journeys, I was actually guided and given information on how to heal. Um, so that's what I did for a living. I, I went around and taught uh, different healing modalities. And um, a, a good friend of mine, her name is Joanne Eady. Um, she runs the um, she runs dowsing meetings like with pendulums and things like that. And she also started to run this conference called the Alien Cosmic Expo. So she said, Jay, you got to come, you got to talk at the Alien Cosmic Expo. And I was actually very, very nervous because, you know, my crowd is the consciousness and healing crowd. And now I'm jumping into the UFO scene, which I really didn't know much about. Yes, they're connected, but, but they're way different, aren't they? The whole life expo people and the higher yeah. consciousness folks, and then the the gritty, dirty UFO people. <laughs> I just did it. Come on. There, no, it's it's. You're absolutely right. These two groups need to get together because the information needs to be together. Yes. Um. So, um, I get there, and um, I walk right into the lobby. And there's a gentleman sitting right in the lobby and he has a big uh, picture of this mantid being. Um, and it was a book called Intrusions. And uh, Bob Mitchell wrote this book, Intrusions. And I walked right up to this, I walked right up to Bob and I said, I've seen that guy. That is like an, uh, that is like an excellent picture. I mean, I've never seen a picture that accurate to what I encountered in my own journeys. And he said, you know, thank you. That validates a couple of his experiencers. And um, I didn't even know it at the time, but Joanne Edie was talking Bob's ear off about me and saying that he had to come and listen to my lecture because he'll be blown away. And he did come uh, to my lecture. And right at the end of the lecture, he just walks right up to me and he says, I really enjoyed what you had to say. And I've never heard that information before. Do you want to write a book with me? And I just said, sure. Okay, I'll write a book with you. I thought you were going to say, I told him no, because I told him I'm traveling too much. (laughs) That I'm dumb. Jackal, where are you with these fucking sound effects, man? (laughs) He's not even, he's probably asleep. Look at him, he's snoring. I find this absolutely riveting. I mean, this is just such a weird way to go through life. I feel so boring right now. I feel like a lot of my problems are so mundane 
but yet they're so heavy. So, I mean, to, to think that when I first heard your story in the beginning, in Chapter 1 here, I was yeah. thinking, oh, man, this is Nightmare on freaking Elm Street. This is, you know, drink a lot of coffee, don't go to sleep, man, because the Grim Reaper's coming, and you can't wake up, and you got sleep paralysis going on, and you're freaking out, and you're puking, and you're telling people, and they think you're fucking crazy, and you think you're crazy, and then it morphs into this uh, power this heavy-duty power, and you don't think it's some sort of uh, uh, supersonic sort of uh, superpower, per se, but uh, to, a, to a regular person, that's what it seems like, because you're able to do something that pretty much anyone would want to do, you would think. However, after hearing this for an hour and change, it does not really sound like something I would dig, to be honest with you. And to get back to that original point... You know, why a lot of people don't go through this is because, you know, we carry as human beings a lot of shit. You know, let's just be honest. We're, sure. we, uh, we have a lot of traumas, wounds, emotions. We have some very messed up thoughts and beliefs. When you leave your body, you take that with you. And if you take that with you, those thought forms, those emotions, those are frequencies and they're like beacons to call out throughout the universe. So you leave your body with those energies and you're going to attract some very interesting attention to you and it's not to your benefit. Oh man, this is heavy. This is okay. So again, let's fast forward here. Were you ever able to check out, Something of the secrets that people want to know about. I mean, obviously, uh, UFOs and uh, I said the backside of the moon. There's so many. Uh, okay, go I've ahead. Come in con- I've come in contact with many different races of beings. And um, like bef- I was talking before, I've come in contact with mantid beings, reptilians, um I don't even know how to describe them. They're they're like just cloaked. They wear these like almost like Jedi cloaks uh, or monks cloaks. And some are very tall, some are very short, and some are literally the size of Yoda. And they run really fast. <laughs> these wow. little guys run fast. Um, and I've seen things that I can't explain. Like I've seen beings that are just cut like columns of water. It's the only way I could describe them. Or um, they kind of look like a gray alien, but they're not physical. They're dimensional, and you can see spiraling energy around them. So there's all these different beings that I've come in contact with. And the thing that still boggles my mind that I'm trying to figure out is I know that there's physical ETs, physical third dimension ETs. Right. Um and, you know, a lot of governments work with them. You see some of their technology and flying saucers and things like that. But the beings that I uh, have contact with, they're not physical. They're dimensional. So it's like I can feel their presence in the room, but you can't see them with your physical eyes. It's like the only way I can see them is if I leave my body. If I enter that state, they're standing right there uh, clear as day. 
So well, it's like that, wouldn't, just... wouldn't that make a lot of sense? I mean, do you have this all figured out now? Uh, is it in your book? I mean, uh, oh yeah, question... yeah, it's all in the book. It's all okay, in the book. okay. Yeah? So if somebody buys the book, they're going to find the answer to how these people exist on these different planes, correct? I would hope so. I, I think I explained that. You give any advice for people who want to try to do this? Yeah, I, I mean, I talked about my personal training and what I learned from different medicine men and shamans and lamas and, and many different teachers gave me various lessons and all those lessons helped get me to where I am today. But still to this so, day, and then I got to ask you about channeling, yeah, but sure. uh, to, to this day, are you still being directed when you pop out or are you able to, I know I keep harping on this because it's my own selfish little sadistic side where, you know, I'm, I want to be able to, to go where I want to go, not where these people want me to go and see their uh, crazy visuals and things of that nature. Were you able to transcend to that point? What I'll say is that if I have a question on my mind mm. and if it's an important enough question, I'll get that answer. Either by a journey in past life or future or a simple message or dream. So if you said before you went to bed to yourself, um, I really want to know what's going on on the backside of the moon. For real. Yeah. Uh, I want to know the origins of the moon, and I want to know if people live there. I want to know if they have shopping malls, etc. Because um, we have guys coming on the show that say they have condos on them. Okay? And, and it's very difficult to have people that seem relatively sane and intelligent talk about things like that. And you're sort of like, well, I mean, there's really nowhere to go from here except to say goodnight and thank you for this entertaining thought. But to someone like yourself, you could say that and then go to bed, and then what would happen? It may not be that night. Mm -hmm. It may not be that week. But eventually I'll get the answer. So you will take the journey. Yeah. But like I say, I don't have, well, have control taken, over the – Have you the, taken that one? If you Have you taken that one? Actually <laughs> – I haven't taken really anything. I, I, for many years, I don't even ask any questions. <laughs> I know it kind of sounds strange, but um, I just enjoy going to sleep now. Well, I, I would think <laughs> so. Now that you got through the rough patch, so to speak, and and you, uh, who wouldn't? You know, I mean, how do you do mundane stuff anymore? How do you go get your car washed or or like go to work and stuff like that? Well, I guess you, you you've been. You're able to practice what you do for a living now, correct? Yes, and the only thing that's kind of kept me grounded and stable um, is uh, is, a, is an art form called qigong. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. Um, very, very familiar. Very familiar. Okay, so basically, when I started to leave the, my body and these beings started to communicate with me, they were just telling me over and over again. You have to heal yourself. That's how I knew I wasn't going crazy is because these beings are telling me I have to heal myself. <laughs> and I couldn't understand exactly what they meant. And they actually guided me to start learning Qigong. Because it wasn't a physical ailment that I needed healing. It was my energetic structure. And I had to learn how to build and strengthen my energy. And once I learned Qigong, it's it almost became like an addiction. I'd practice it 
three, four times a day. And um, basically, I, I don't like using this term, but basically my powers got a lot stronger doing Qigong. And then you get to a certain level where um, you can really live in these two worlds and be completely stable and sane. What a what a strange thing to to ponder for hours and hours. Um, you know what's going to happen tonight? Uh, what happened last night? Oh my God, last Thursday was crazy, and you can't really talk with anyone per se about it. You can, but they're not going to really know what you're talking about because they weren't there, they didn't experience it. I would think it would be an absolute nightmare. But what, what I keep but thinking this- about is transcendence, and when we talk about uh, purifying your your, your negative thoughts and, and, and things of that nature. I think of uh, India. I think of uh, the Rajis and, and uh, those folks with through meditation are able to achieve these states where they'd probably be able to do some of the things you're talking about. That's what I think. They're all interconnected. And that's what I said earlier is that you wouldn't want to leave your body with those things that you're carrying. Um, because that determines your path and journey in the other worlds. So if you leave your body uh, prematurely and you're carrying a lot of weird stuff, uh, that might destroy you, uh, that literally. That might be your version of uh, what's described as a hell. Basically, yeah. You may you know, come back to your body and you're not alone, and then you can't get rid of these things that came back with you. Well, that's creepy. Uh, what, well, that's a good segue. Uh, let's segue, uh, Jay, into uh, channeling because I'm a big fan of Bashar, mm-hmm. and I love Bashar, and I don't care if he's real or not because um, – uh, are you familiar with Bashar? I know of him, but I've, I've kept away from channelers um, a lot. Um, not okay. that I don't agree with their messages. It's just – um, from my experience, I'd rather be told from my own guidance than hearing it from somebody else. Well, I guess my – and that makes a lot of sense, but I guess my question was going to be, do you believe that they're actually channeling uh, beings? Because a lot of what you describe, it would somewhat support the methodology of how it takes place, which they're kind of opening up their vessel themselves to another entity. They've made some sort of uh, – uh, backroom deal with that this is okay to do and mm-hmm. uh, and they're able to come through them. Do you think that that's actually happening? Uh, well, what I'm going to say is not very popular, okay. but there's a lot of beings in the fourth dimension or just outside of our realm of perception that will basically say that they're God just that so they can speak through you. They'll take oh, any. Wow. So they're false prophets. Yes, but there are channelers that are channeling very high dimensional beings as well. So you have this is where uh, discernment comes in. So you have to kind of figure out, okay, which channeler is channeling lower dimensional energies, and which channeler is channeling the higher beings. So you really have to be careful of which messages you're listening to. I don't know how someone would discern or validate a channeler because, to me, uh, they I call it circle talk, Jay. Uh, I don't know yeah. if 
and, and I think people get it right away when I call it circle talk. They're like, oh, yeah, it's just like ramblings of nonsensical, positive, sort of uh, uh, quick torts that don't really make any freaking sense, but end up making me feel like I'm supposed to acknowledge that my question was answered or that received some sort of uh, really important uh, information that I can't seem to understand yet because I'm not enlightened or something. And I find that with about 98% of this stuff. So that's the only part to me where I would think that that would be hard to discern which are positive, which are negative, and, and, and such. But it, it almost reminds me of why people tell you not to fuck with a Ouija board. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. And I'll tell you the way that I perceive it, um, because I could actually sense these things. Mm-hmm. And let's say somebody is talking right to me in person, and they're basically saying love and light and just beautiful, beautiful words to me. Their words can be beautiful, but it feels like they're throwing knives at me. Okay? Mm. Whereas I could hear somebody else say similar words to that, and it feels like my body is being lit up like fire, and I'm feeling energy run through every part of my body. Okay? So it's like the words are very much the same, but the energy behind it is extremely different. Hmm. Okay, that's interesting. I mean, you would think that with everything that you experience on these different uh, dimensions, I guess we should call them, uh, mm-hmm. that you would be able to look at the average Joe uh, very differently than the way that I do. Because I'm only seeing something that I see all the time. That's it. That's all I see. I don't see anything else. But you must see other things, correct? Yeah, it's. I would say it's one of the gifts that um, it it's taken a long time to to get. Um, but basically, when people are speaking to me um, in person, I kind of tune out of the words that they're saying uh, and tune into what energy is behind the words. And right. that never will fail you. I mean, then to be you know, honest with you, I, 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 stu- I do do this. It's funny you say this yeah. because now I'm starting to think and I go, I can usually – I tell myself that usually I know in, a, in, a, in at least two minutes whether or not I like somebody. Mm-hmm. And, and I've been pretty spot on, I think. So, uh, yeah, I think a lot of it, it must be some sort of energy of some sort, I guess. Yeah. No, no, you're you're absolutely right. And there's a word for it, which is uh, discernment. And right. we just have to kind of activate this type of discernment energy. And uh, it's amazing um, <laughs> what you can see between different people. Um, and this started to come out in my uh, shamanic training um, with... Uh, an Algonquin medicine man. And basically I was just sitting in one of his classes and this ability just opened and it felt like people were shooting darts across the room from each other. It's like the strangest thing. And these darts, when they hit you, it feels like someone drops a hot coal on you. And I was, I was trying to get it off me. (laughs) You know, it hits me in the arm and it's burning me. 
and I'm trying to get it off, but you know, I can't take them off with my hands. And I'm sitting next to another medicine woman and I said, you know, something hit me. It really hurts. And she just looks over. She takes her hand. She grabs it, pulls it right off, drops it on the floor. The pain's gone. And she goes, that's that person's jealousy at you. <laughs> Whoa. Weird. And yeah. So it's like you're opening up to these new worlds where it's like these subconscious thoughts. Um, they're just like darts that get directed at people. Um, well, hold on. It, we're, we're running out yeah. of time. I got to squeeze in a couple more questions. Um, go, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. I it's such a, it's such a, an amazing way to spend a couple of hours talking to somebody who's done all this stuff. Come back down with things you might be able to give some tantalizing tidbits uh, to, let's say, two communities. There's people that listen to this program that want to know, uh, do, is it all doom and gloom coming up? Are we uh, are we heading just for annihilation as uh, some of the visuals you've seen? Uh, what's your thought on that, if any? Uh, well, I'll say that I'm an optimist, mm. and I want to believe that um, we can change the future, and the future is not written. And you know, you were talking about um, Andrew uh, B earlier. Andy B. Andy B. And you know, you said he was president. And I said he broke the first rule of time travel as he told the future. And once you tell the future, it never happens. Is that the first rule? It's the first rule because it's almost <laughs> like the the scientists, you know, if they observe something, they're just by observing it, they're changing the outcome. Right. Right. Andy, what are you doing? Andy B. Hey, what do you think, Andy B? I know uh, – like I can tell you're a really nice guy and you know, I mean, but you're a pretty straight shooter. I mean, uh, uh, you can do it without, you know, give me, give me as straight as you can. You must know the guy's story. So I do. I do. Um, I hundred percent believe that he believes the story. Well, yeah, come on. You can't just, <laughs> wait a minute. Now, I mean, I could go there too. You're right. Because Andy B, one of the things, folks, if you haven't looked into this guy, that makes him so interesting is that the guy is very intelligent. He's a lot smarter than me. That's for damn sure. And he is just – he doesn't miss a fucking beat. Okay? You can ask this guy a Martian question. Boom. He's got the answer. Two seconds. He knows his spiel. He's got it down. And it's very hard to come away and just go, oh, my God, this guy's absolutely insane. Or, oh, this guy's just a profiteer. Or, what you just said, this guy actually really believes everything he's saying. And so it actually is a well-crafted uh, response, I guess. But um, it sure well, is, I, is wild. I, I, know, I know a couple people like him. And I would say that their experiences are real and that they did go through uh, certain things like they're telling you um but also remember in these military programs um there was a lot of mind control and thought implants as well so some of it could be um 100% reality 
and then they throw in a couple weird things that uh, disprove these things. So yeah. I think I think that there is truth to what he is saying. Um, I'll tell you, it's the most entertaining time travel tale. It's got everything in it, kids. I mean, yeah. uh, there's things that I wanted to hear about your story tonight, and you didn't give them to me because it's it, it, you know the story that you laid out wasn't something that I saw on the Sci-Fi Channel. So you know you have to bring it down to earth, which is a funny way of putting it, but. In essence, it brings more validity to your story. Uh, I found it fascinating. I had a really good time having you on the show. Did you enjoy yourself? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good. I hope we didn't let you down at the Euphonaut Radio. It was your maiden voyage. Uh, Mr. Quit, I'm going to let you go tonight. I am going to say uh, I hope we meet again someday because I find you to be incredibly interesting, and I'm really Excited to ask my friends what they thought of this show, if they ever do listen, and to see if any of them have had experiences like this. Because I will say that I've been chastised at many a barbecue recently for kind of snickering at certain folks. Me, me snickering crazy uh, at some experience people have had, and they're very serious about them. So uh, maybe, in essence, the show has opened my mind a bit as well. I thank you for being on the program tonight, and why don't you let everybody know uh, where to get that book real quick. Sure. You can go to Amazon.com, and the book is Forbidden Knowledge, Revelations of a Multidimensional Time Traveler. And my website is TheCrystalSun.com. That's TheCrystalSun, S-U-N.com. Fantastic. The pleasure was all ours. I hope that I do meet you again one day, maybe get to see a lecture, because that would really be an eye-opener, and what a great way to spend, uh, how long are your lectures, two or three hours? Yeah, just about, yeah. Yeah, that would be fantastic. So maybe I'll check out where you're going to be next time you're, uh, you're around and come check you out. That'd be great. Perfect. All right. Well, you have a terrific week. Keep us in mind if something comes up that you just need to get off your chest. You are always welcome here. Uh, for the rest of you crazy nuts out there, we're going to say adieu, and we will see you next Monday here in a dark bunker in Portland, Oregon, where it's just starting to rain. This is Jesse Randolph wishing you a merry week. Until next Monday, we will see you then. Take care, everybody.